I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Amber here, producer of Audio Book Club and resident audio bookworm. I'm just here to let you know that this episode contains references to strong language, mature themes and sensitive topics that some listeners may find triggering. If you find yourself in need of help, we provided some support groups you can reach out to in the show notes. Welcome to Audio Book Club. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, the founder of Content is Queen. Audio Book Club is a monthly event and podcast where we celebrate and discuss Black, Asian, queer and female narratives in literature. Every month, we meet with other audio bookworms to discuss an audiobook recommended by you. But, and it's a big one, you can still attend the live event even if you've read and not listened to the book. We'll share our live discussion in every episode, followed by an interview and Q&A with a featured guest. If we're lucky, we'll have the author, but expect to hear from voice actors, directors, editors and book critics too. We will be going on a summer break and we'll return in September, where we want to hear all about what you've been reading and listening to over your holidays. Make sure you're following and subscribe to the podcast to find out when we're back in September. Oh, before I forget, you'll have to expect some spoilers, so give it a miss if you haven't listened to Sour Hall yet, but you plan to. This week, we're discussing Sour Hall by Laura Kerwin Ashman. Sour Hall is based on the short story by Naomi Booth. The story follows George and Ash, an interracial lesbian couple who moved to George's family farm, which is isolated up in the Yorkshire Moors. As they begin their new life as dairy farmers, a boggart sets about tormenting both of them, thriving off their pain and feeding on their energy, ruining George's dairy products and distancing the couple from one another. The drama was recorded in partial 360-degree sound on location in Yorkshire, This piece has a powerful atmosphere and makes brilliant use of sound effects. But the realness of those issues intermingled with the haunting makes Sour Hall a spine-tingling work of horror. Here's what's coming up. Our thoughts on the chilling sound design. And the sound effects adds to the tension because sometimes the music starts to... And you kind of stop what you're doing. You think, oh my word, something's going to happen. So you kind of get carried away with the mood of the book without words being said. Relationships on the brink. How comes they both didn't communicate with each other prior to explain exactly what they were both feeling or what their experiences were? I don't know if I'd want to remain in a relationship like that, to be honest, but to each their own. And the boggart. Just the fact that the boggart was obsessed with Lucy and just the ending. Like, yeah, what, what the hell? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's like, what? I didn't like that. All this and so much more. Let's get into it. First up, let's meet this week's audio bookworms. Hi, I'm Amber and I'm one of the co-producers of Audio Book Club and I work at Content is Queen. Hi, I'm Anita and I do community work and I'm here to have fun. Hi, I'm Shaz, I'm from the West Midlands. I'm also a panel member with the Youth Defending team 
and also a community activist. All right, let's kick things off with uh, first impressions of Sour Hall. I enjoyed it. I think it was kind of different in the past few months that the books we've covered. You know, it was based in the UK and, and also it had the LGBTQ plus part of that discussion, which was quite different than the other books. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was definitely more drama than a book being read. So I enjoyed it with the headphones on because the music and the tension and the woo noises um, added to it all. Amazing. I love that. I love that feedback. Shazam, what about you? What did you think? Yeah, I'm not sure because I don't think I've ever read or listened to a horror type book before. Mm-hmm. It was different. Between one and ten, I'd say about a seven Ooh. because there was a lot of twists and turns and some of some elements I think it was some of the chapters I couldn't understand because right. it was almost sort of left there for you to um imagine I mean I can't remember which chapter it was where I think it was Ash mm. had given birth oh yeah okay or appeared to have given birth and then I don't know what happened after that I think that was in the finale, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was in the finale. But at the time, when I was listening to it, I think, well, what the hell happened there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did the baby go? But yeah, yeah give it about a 7 out of 10. All right. That's, I think that's a pretty good score. Amber, what about you? I did enjoy it. I thought it was very immersive. It was great. It was very different to everything we've listened to in the past, especially being a thriller and, like Anita said, celebrating like LGBTQ plus stories. And yeah, and so I thought that the whole binaural aspect of it was really cool because I haven't listened to anything like that really before, especially in sort of like audiobook territory. And the story was good. I just think I was expecting a lot from it. And I think I wanted it to be more. I thought the ending could have gone better. I was a bit disappointed by the ending. But I have to say the whole sound effects and the sound design was really good. But I just I just wanted a bit more from it. Oh, that's fair enough. Um, in many ways, I think I'm inclined to agree. I definitely bought into some of the hype. And last year, before this was commissioned, Audible did send me a bunch of things to look at. And so Sour Hall was actually one of my picks. So I was really, really, really looking forward to it. The What I did see in the pre-planning for the show looked really compelling, really exciting. And the themes that they were going to cover was also quite strong for me. Stuff around like the LGBTQIA plus voices, plus like the idea of infant mortality, plus maternal mortality, and this idea of black women having a more difficult time with childbirth. I felt all of the themes around black women and healthcare, plus this idea of being in this remote part of England, dealing with the ideas of racism or ignorance coming into play. I thought all of those themes were going to be really interesting. And I think actually on balance... Overall, I felt like they dealt with all of those issues really, really well, even down to the microaggressions within Yorkshire of like, oh, they don't get many of your sort around here. And it's like, which one are you talking about, lesbian or black? (laughs) We don't know. Um, And then people are like city folk. And I've met people from remote parts of the country who actually just use like city folk as like a synonym for black, Asian or other. You know about the fire, of course. Not much. I know it happened after George left home. Well, that's the thing. Sally Rutherford swears she saw Georgina back here the weekend it happened. Well, she wasn't. If you say so. I'm not one to spread idle gossip, and of course now we're ever proven. But a lot of folks say that they wouldn't blame her with parents like that. 
It's no wonder she turned out so odd. And now she's back here, with you in tow. What's that supposed to mean? Well, you're not the usual sort we get round here, are you? And, you know, the two of you being together. I mean, I, I went to uni in Leeds. I'm much more open-minded than most. But folk round here, they've got nothing better to do than just talk about other people. The older ones say it's the boggart, but that's just daft. I wasn't aware that boggarts turn people into raging lesbians or make them fall in love with black people. Well, no one's saying that. I'm certainly not, so there's no need to take that aggressive tone. I'm just trying to be friendly. I just thought it was quite interesting how all of those themes were able to be weaved into something that was only less than three hours long, which I thought was quite clever. Yeah, and I also think because we've listened to audiobooks that are plus 10 hours, obviously it can go into so much more detail. And that's why I'm thinking to myself, oh, I wanted to be so much more. But in the space that, what what was it, like two and a half hours, not even, mm. they did cover so much. So I think it's just getting used to long books that are able to cover so much more. It obviously can't be compared and I'm I'm comparing it and that's the problem really. Yeah, fair enough. I suppose with... It being not an audiobook, it is a drama. Do we think actually you'd listen to something like this again? I definitely would because I'm a very much an audio drama person. So I think it was cool. The only thing is I feel like I need to sit down and really pay attention to it. And I find it quite difficult to just sit down and listen to something without there being a visual so that's my only thing. Whereas listening to a podcast or a book, you can kind of do that on your commute and doing that while you're doing stuff. Whereas the problem, I think, as well, was I was listening to it while doing stuff, while working, and I, I wasn't giving myself the full attention. But I would definitely listen to something more. Like Hellcats was a great listen yeah. as well. Okay, agreed. I, I definitely felt like I could just sit and watch, but I also could browse <laughs> so I was like shopping for coffee tables and <laughs> looking at house listings and things like that so I found like I could multitask but not with anything serious the visual had to be quite a mundane scroll by I wouldn't be able to write an email and listen to this and still know what was going on but I generally struggle to listen to audiobooks and do other things in general what about you Anita and Shazza yeah I quite liked it I liked the sound effects and stuff because it sort of conjured up images in my head mm. That's what exactly was going on. So, yeah, I think I would listen to another book similar to this. Great. I would as well. I mean, I would, I mean, as Amber said, sometimes you do miss things, but I still enjoyed it more than some audio books I've listened to. And the sound effects adds to the tension because sometimes the music starts to and you kind of stop me doing anything oh my word something's going to happen so you kind of get carried away with the mood of the book without words being said mm. which is good I thought it added a different dimension to audible books really because I used to think audio dramas were just for old people but then because <laughs> <laughs> you used to get them from the library Oh, right. When I was younger, they used to have um, audio section in the library and it just had audio dramas in them, really. All Radio 4 things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I actually enjoyed it. I felt that I would easily and welcome another style type book like or audio a drama, definitely. If you do like that style, Hag, which is this was a spin-off of Hag. Hag is very much like that. So it's loads of different short stories. I think there's around nine. They basically flip UK folklore. 
and retell these stories, largely quite horror ones. Um, not quite horror, but definitely in that thriller vein of these stories where women were used to be portrayed as hags. Back in the day, they flipped the script and retell the story. So this was a spin-off of that. But the sound design in it is stunning. I remember listening to it and I was just like, oh my God, some of the stories would make you squirm <laughs> because the sound design and the effects were so, so, so good. And also, if you enjoy Pearl Mackey's voice, who plays Ash in the book, she's in Forest 404 and is the main character in that. And that's an amazing sort of audio drama podcast on BBC Sounds. Forest 404 is stunning. Yeah, no, it's so stunning. good. Stunning. Oh, it is beautiful. I dream of making something like that. Pam Mackey is a phenomenal voice actress and actress in life. She was in Doctor Who for a bit, I, I believe. But what did we think of the acting, actually, since we meandered onto that path? Did we think Lucy Fallon and Pam Mackey were strong and compelling leads? Oh, definitely. I think Pam Mackey's amazing as it is. And it was watching a piece of theatre just in your head. George, did you burn down the cow shed? What? You can tell me, if you did. How can you even ask me that? You haven't answered the question. No, I did not burn down the cattle shed. What the hell is wrong with you? Maybe the same thing that's wrong with me is what's wrong with you. You're talking in riddles. I don't have time for I'm not the one trying to burn a butter churn in the middle of the night. I told you. I Something's just... going on here, George. I feel insane. I'm not okay, and neither are you. We are not okay. I'm scared. All the time. I don't know how much more I can take. But if you tell me what's happening, maybe we can face it together. I... I can't, Ash. I just... I don't know what you're talking about. Then I have nothing else to say to you. Ash, please! like you could tell what their expressions were going to be and what they were doing just by their voice which mm. I think is amazing like what a skill to just be able to act so well that you just with your voice that you can tell what they're doing and yeah you could really feel the emotion you could feel Ash's kind of mental stability really declining yeah you could really just feel these characters and get to know them. What about you guys Anita and Jazza as well? What did you think about Lucy and Pearl Mackey's performance? Well, I definitely enjoyed their performances. They did carry the whole show really well. And, and as Amber has said, you got to know them. You, you could tell what they were thinking by their expressions and by their tone and everything. So, yeah, I enjoyed their. The only area I struggled with was the actual ghost type thing. Mm. Even though I, I got into it, that, to me, was the least convincing. We've come to end this for good. You've tormented us for too long. Kiss the girls and make them cry. Have you fun. 
play your little mind games all you want. I'm not going anywhere. Ash isn't going anywhere. We love each other. Why can't you just accept that? She doesn't belong here. She belongs wherever I am. She doesn't belong here! George! What's happening? Wake up, baby! Wake up! George, you poor mine. She'll always be mine. We don't you want you here. Maybe I'm not the expert of ghost voices. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that, that was the least convincing, I felt. But I don't know what a convincing ghost type thing sounds like. Yeah, I kind of agree. I feel like I really struggled with the boggart. I felt like the voice was not necessarily scary, but creepy. I feel like there's a distinction to be made because it was definitely creepy. But it was also maybe a smidge too hammy. For me, I know how he usually means like they're overacting, but it's almost like it was just like the voice that you expect to hear. And so because it was so kind of like, oh, you're trying to do a scary voice. And it sounds like you're trying to do a scary voice rather than it genuinely being a scary voice. I do think there were moments in that performance, though, that were genuinely neck tingly. And you're just like, oh, this is so gross. And that was definitely around in the finale episode around this birth and the baby disappearing and it being the boggart. And I was just like, wait, what's going on? This is gross and this is disgusting. But I think it was like how all of the sound design and the effects plus the voice plus the birth all coming together to create a moment that felt quite gripping and tense and actually very like worthy of a finale. But yeah, I definitely agree about struggling with the boggart's voice because it was just a bit like, go away <laughs> to me. I was just like, this is annoying more than it is scary. <laughs> As well with the bogger, I thought it was interesting because it was like it came across they were being possessed by the bogger when they have like this creepy voice that was theirs, like Lucy's voice and the bogger speaking at the same time. So it kind of came across that like the bogger was inside them. And also just on storylines, just the fact that the bogger was obsessed with Lucy and just the ending with the bogger being a baby. Like, yeah, what, what the hell? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> what? like what? So they've just birthed the bogger and they're raising it? I didn't like that. I did not understand that ending. I did not care for that ending. It did not make any sense to me. No. (laughs) Anyone else had thoughts on that? Because I was confused. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with what everybody's saying. I have to say there was some bits of it where I just couldn't understand whether the bogger was affecting... I know it was affecting Ash... Yeah, it was affecting both, I think, but George's was a little bit more secretive. Yeah, and I couldn't understand how comes they both didn't communicate with each other prior, you know, to explain exactly what they were both feeling mm. or what, what, what their experiences were. So my understanding was at the end that loosely got explained. So Ash was experiencing the bogger and kept saying, it's the bogger, it's the bogger. And George kept denying it and lying about it. And then she apologised because she was like, I was trying to protect you and shield you from this thing. It's been haunting me for a while, but I just didn't want you to be affected by it. So she kind of essentially gaslit her girlfriend the whole time, Mm. which I found deeply, deeply problematic, actually. I thought that was like the one point in the story where I was just like... George's trash because yeah. that was just yeah it was it was a really cruel thing to do especially because mm. Ash was carrying so much trauma around the baby and things and then it felt like maybe where 
Ash was talking about the fact that she had just given birth or felt like she had just given birth and she was like, this is now too goddamn much. This is too far. And there's walking off. That's when George then finally confesses that it's a thing and then they try to come to peace with this monster in their home, which was just, again, a really surreal and bizarre way to end that story. Yeah, because when you listen to the previous chapters, they weren't really talking to each other about what they were experiencing. It was only towards the end when... Georgia revealed it and I just thought oh I don't know if I'd want to remain in a relationship like that to be honest but Mm. to each their own yeah (laughs) but yeah I I thought they both played the character well have you been enjoying audio book club we'd love listening to the books and sharing our thoughts with you if you've been enjoying the podcast please do consider leaving a review or forwarding it to a friend I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. While we're on a mini break, why not catch series three of You Heard It Here First wherever you listen to your podcast? You Heard It Here First is a podcast that helps you discover what to listen to next. Every episode includes honest reviews of audiobooks, podcasts and dramas available on Audible. Plus, we interview authors and editors who are dying to share their recommendations with you too. Follow You Heard It Here First, the podcast today on your favourite podcast player. What about the finale, guys? I mean, oh, I don't really want to jump to finale territory just yet, but I feel like we've already touched on it, so we might as well just follow that thread. Were you satisfied with the ending? I wasn't. I mean, we have said it. There was stuff missing. I would have enjoyed it more if it was longer. And I felt that the ending, it just all of a sudden went to 1 to like 15. It jumped bits out. So you had to work out, oh, this is happening. That's happening. But it covered so much. Mm within the three hours or whatever, I understand why it did that. What did you think was missing, Anita? Because sometimes we just saw the ending of things. So say, for instance, the young man that had bad intentions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was it Thomas or something? Yes. He was there. And then he He wasn't wasn't there. (laughs) And then this is what he did in the past. That was it. And that alone is actually a chapter. Yeah, I see what you mean. That, like, the surrounding cast... There were some interesting plot points. It's like also with the dad, they could have gone into more depth with George's father and her parents and how cruel they were. Because they brought up Mary, the mum's horse, a lot. And I'm like, I'd love to know what had happened in the past. Um, I'm a nosy Parker and I'd want to find out. (laughs) (laughs) I could see this being longer by virtue of just going down some of those threads. I would then wonder... Or be curious if then by going through or meandering into these kind of tangential plot points, would that then make it less interesting? Or would we then find it too long or too meandering from the main storyline? We don't know because that's not what's happened. But I believe I read somewhere or listened to something where they did say it was originally going to be written for screen. So I do wonder if they would have then gone through like the whole process if on screen 
of doing vignettes and flashbacks and moments that hark back to those past moments where actually it would have just been a visual cue of the mum being really close to the horse and that would have conveyed so much without having to say a lot and one of the interviews Laura does say that she was like this is the first time she's written for audio and she's like it's shocking how much you have to rely on dialogue so it would have been the two main characters and I guess those side characters having to explain whole stories and build whole worlds just for the sake of the audio drama which I guess works quite differently when it's an audio book where someone's narrating and then there's dialogue in between a narration and this was almost zero narration if I'm yeah there's definitely not a narrator in this at all it's just the dialogue which is quite a remarkable feat I think actually. (laughs) With the ending I think they should have either had the boggart still lingering and not be able to solve the problem or burn the place down and then maybe leave it as a cliffhanger. I just think it's so weird to have the resolution of them having it as a child. Uh, are you all right? Yeah. yeah, feet went right from under me. Yeah. Don't worry about the box. Oh, we'll sort it. Oh, I'll be off then. <laughs> enough from you, troublemaker. You shouldn't have done that. Oh, guy. That serves him right, nosy fucker. <laughs> Still, you better get all that nonsense out your system now. Won't have you causing trouble when your sister comes. I'm glad you finally let us burn it. I know it was your home, but it was a prison too. Your home's with us now. Isn't it? <gasps> yes, it is. <laughs> I think it's about time we gave you a name, little one. Now we've settled in, got used to each other. What do you think? And I know maybe that brings the whole story full circle for her fulfilling the need of a child. They get a child, the boggit. Gets like a family and happiness. Some resolution. It was a very odd resolution. Yeah, that's not how I would have ended things. But as Anita said, each to their own. Yeah. (laughs) We haven't really asked this question, but I feel like we'd be remiss by not asking this question, but... Did you find it scary? I did at some point. I think it's mainly the sound effects. And that's why I made a conscious decision to um, listen to it during the day oh, rather nice. than late <laughs> evening. <laughs> but yeah, the sound effects were quite gripping because you don't know what laid around the corner. Mm. And especially when they were on that, is it on the bog? It was raining and I think it was Ash was going to the... The cow or something was doing something. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And I think she got stuck. So with all the side effects and that, I was wondering how is she going to get out of that situation? So that was a bit gripping. I agree. I think it was gripping. There were just moments that really kind of arrested your attention and moments that didn't. And I think when the sound effects really cranked up and those really big moments of suspense building were happening, I was like, oh, what's going on? Let me pay more attention. Kind of like... How are you going to get out? What is actually happening? Is this a dream? Is this real? What is going on? And I think it did a really good job, or like the sound design plus the dialogue and everything really did a good job of getting you to question your own reality, which I think is a a good sign of a good drama, right? It's just like, wait, what is happening? Am I there? No, I don't see anything, but I'm trying to unpick. And I guess that's what the characters are also experiencing is what is going on. I'm scared. And so in those moments, I definitely can see it being like, oh, this is odd and unsettling. There was a bit where Ash ran out of the house and somebody, and I don't know if it was the bugger, but 
somebody died? That was Thomas. Okay, so who actually killed him? The boggart killed him. Oh, right, okay. Because you know how the boggart started the fire and killed the dad? Yeah. I think it was the same premise of the boggart right. killed Thomas and either possessed him and killed him or made one of the girls kill him. But like George says, she wasn't covered in any muddy clothes, so how yeah. there's no evidence of her doing it. See, I thought George was lying in protecting Ash's feelings. Oh, I love mm-hmm. this. This is open to interpretation now. Oh, so, maybe maybe there isn't an answer to that then. Yeah, I thought it was unresolved. I thought the theories that were circulating was it could have been the Boggart or the Boggart possessed Ash and Ash did it because she had such a visual, a vivid memory of it. And going back to your question as to whether you found it scary, I didn't find it scary. I thought it was a psychological thriller and really played with your head as to what's real. But what I thought was scary was the dialogue of Thomas and the stuff he was saying to Ash, what the bogger was saying through Tom in the toilets. I thought that was disgusting and like really scary. Just if someone was saying that to you, you'd be horrified. Yeah. And that's what I found really scary. I found that really unsettling. Mostly because I think he genuinely was a creeper. And then mm. for that to become full circle. So what makes this quite an interesting thing is that the Boggart's playing at like the worst in people and has the ability to possess folks. And it's like, if this guy was already a creep, what is to say that that's the Boggart and what was him and what wasn't? Mm. And I guess questioning that reality of that definitely felt like something, now we know who he is, that definitely felt like something he would have done. Because it's the same with her dad as well, because Ash and George are having a conversation. It's like, well, was it the boggart that made your dad a horrible person? And she was like, no, he was disgusting as he was. He was always horrible. So, yeah, it must be, like you said, messing yeah. with the bads. Yeah, bad ma- within a- people. exacerbating it almost. What about you, Anita? Did you find it scary? I didn't find it scary. I felt the tension. So the music and, and the language that was used and the tone, etc. So to me, it had suspense at certain areas because of the music and everything. But I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't want to be scared personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one of my emotions that I see are positive. But, <laughs> but I enjoyed the tension and I did enjoy that. Woo! effect as I call it so yeah that's how I felt oh good I agree I'm actually not a horror person I do not enjoy the experience of being scared or wanting to be tripped out my mind if anything's even loosely based on a real story and it's scary I don't want any part of that I just don't I rebuke it so I think for me what compelled me to listen to this more so what pushed me through was just the diversity of the story. So the two leads being this kind of interracial lesbian couple in the North. I was like, I actually just want to see how this plays out. And the horror is just kind of like a thing in the background that I'm going to try not to engage with too much. But thankfully, I didn't find it overwhelmingly scary in the first place. But I do think on balance, though, it was a good story and it and it was full of suspense. I just wanted to talk about the sound design because I know that some of it was recorded on location because they did go up to like a farm and recorded. And I was talking to him, we were chatting beforehand, because it was recorded as like 360. How was your experience with that? Most of it for me sounded like it was coming left to right and I would have loved to have people kind of running at me, hearing people coming towards from the back or the front, because it did feel very left and right. Great question. I enjoyed it. 
I enjoyed the sound effects and everything. At one point, I was not listening on my headphones because my Bluetooth headphones lost a charge. Mm. So I then started to listen on my Alexa, and it just wasn't the same. Mm. So sound effects I enjoyed. And I suppose I'm just used to traditional audiobooks where there are no sound effects. So to me, it was slightly champagne. Yeah, I love that description. <laughs> Shazza, what about you? Yeah, as I said before, I did like the sound effects. It just made it more authentic. So I must say I haven't heard of the 360 description before. I just call it sound effects. So. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a thing that's in audio, like people experiment with different styles of creating immersive experiences. So I guess like the 360 degree sound is this idea, if someone is talking behind you, you should experience or hear it as if they're speaking from behind you. And if they're talking in front of you, you should feel quite close, like the audio oh, effect right. of it rather than obviously there's no visual. So, and if someone's like walking around the audio should kind of move in that direction of coming from right. left to right if they're crossing your path or if the car is driving towards you you should experience it getting louder and closer to you from the front for example and things like that so it's meant to create a more immersive experience I think it was good it was good really good sound effects it was almost real, to be honest. And that's why I'd love to know how much was on location and how much was in studio, because it was very... Like, I do want to say I really did love the sound design. I'm sounding like such a hater, but I thought it was really exceptional and amazingly done. So I'd love to know how much was on location and what was recorded in the studio, because it was so authentic. Mm. I do want to quickly touch on representation. I know we've touched on it a little bit already. This story being led by or a horror story and a thriller at that having two female leads two lesbians interracial do we think that was handled well i appreciate the fact that it was handled i'll be honest with you so that to <laughs> me is that. quite refreshing because just interesting to hear it was part of the story but it wasn't part of the story so i'm okay with how it's been handled because it's a horror so they didn't need to go into great detail i felt apart from the end where maybe George should have revealed more to her partner. Why was she hiding stuff? Why would you take your partner to somewhere where we have a bogger? Why would you do that? That's mm. just like weird. But other than that, I didn't think they needed to go into great detail. Fair enough. Shaz? Yeah, I think they picked up on bits, you know, when Ash went to the store and the shopkeeper made some comments to her. And she walked out and left the shop in there. Yeah. So, yeah, they picked up on bits, which is appropriate for that rural town. Mm. You would expect that. So I think it was covered for the type of storyline that it was. Yeah, I agree. I like how you phrased it, Anita. It wasn't central to the story, but it was present. And I think that's what I liked about this and what I thought I would like about it as well, is that... Yes, they are this same-sex couple, and yes, it's an interracial coupling, and it's going to be Yorkshire, so it's going to be referenced, and it didn't need to come mm. from them. It didn't need to be an overtly, overly talked about thing, because in, in reality, you're not always talking about your race and your sexuality whilst in your relationship. And so mm. I think it, it coming from the outside of like, oh, this is different. But I also felt like I never got the sense that anyone was overly malicious with how they viewed them as a couple. Yes, it was definitely ignorant, um, but I never got a sense of malice, which I found quite reassuring actually for the story because I think, especially for Ash's character, going into a remote northern 
countryside <laughs> village, I think I could probably speak for some black people in saying that that would give me pause. Like, I would not just be going into that with a full open heart. Like, I'd have questions of, is this going to be okay? Are they going to handle my race well? Will people make comments? And I think you would have those questions in the back of your mind of like going to somewhere like that. And those things then being met and then on top of that being a lesbian. So those intersections, I thought, were handled quite well. And then her being called aggressive for being like, what do you mean? Back off to that particular shopkeeper. I thought, oof, you're capturing these microaggressions exceptionally well. And for those that know, (laughs) we know. (laughs) And for those that don't, they're going to just see that as like some innocuous thing that happened. It's like, why did she get so upset about that? And it's like, "Mm, we Mm. know. (laughs) And I felt like I liked those nods, you know? Yeah, definitely. Can I say something? It's not actually in the book, but in my mind, I created my own response to certain things and I thought and this is my understanding that prior to George she had been heterosexual relationships I guess she would be considered bisexual or okay queer curious because her sister questioned the change didn't she yeah I just worry about you you know you've been through a lot you're still healing I just don't know if leaving everything you know behind was the best idea I don't like thinking of you out there in the middle of nowhere. Nothing but white people and cows. It's like a Jordan Peele film. You including George in that? I don't know George. No, you don't. This just all happened so fast. You call up one day saying you're pregnant and you're in love with a woman. And before I know it, you move into a farm with her. Well, that's lesbians for you. We don't fuck around. I'm just saying, how well do you really know George? Can you trust her to be... The person you need to support and protect you, especially in that environment. I have to go. Um, Thanks for calling. So I actually thought maybe the reason why she went was because she didn't have to maybe explain herself to people who don't know her to be in a gay relationship. Mm. So, but I create this in my head, you see. But I think <laughs> so that's I cool. have nothing to do with it. Because I know I know people who've come out, and that's one of the things that they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, explain to people. But she doesn't have to explain to people she knows her sexuality. She yeah. just has to put up their comments. Yeah, that's quite an interesting observation, actually. I never thought of it like that, of not needing to explain or not wanting to. And she's already dealing with the trauma of losing a child. And it's like... I don't want to have to keep explaining myself. And her sister was so anti as well. So that mm. definitely makes sense. Yeah. We have come to the end of the show. Wow. Thank you to all of our audio bookworms for joining us today. Let's hope the drama hasn't soured your mood. Ready to have a go? You can become an audio bookworm. And yes, that does include if you've read and not listened to the book. Our next event is back in the autumn. Make sure you are subscribed or following the podcast to find out what our next book will be and when the next event will take place. If you can't bear to wait the entire summer for your next audio book fix, check out You Heard It Here First, a recommendation show that helps you find a new audio book, podcast or drama to listen to on Audible. You can subscribe and listen to it on your favourite podcast player. Thank you for listening and a huge thanks to all of our excellent audio bookworms. This was a Content is Cream production, hosted by Imriel Morgan. Produced by Amber Miller and Imriel Morgan. 
The clips used are from Sour Hall, courtesy of Audible UK. The music and sound effects are sourced from Epidemic Sound. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.